Thanks for listening and subscribe today for our new Substack newsletter. That's Michael Medved's context placing today's big events in the unique perspective of our past and our future. Go to michaelmedved.substack.com and sign up today for my uncensored take on current controversies. And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth where in one of the ongoing uh, court trials, court ordeals that President Trump has experienced, the uh, case is in the hands of the jury. It is not a case to determine guilt or innocence. It is a case to determine how much Trump is uh, going to be required to pay to Ian Jean Carroll uh, for her claims of defamation. Uh, we will bring you that news as soon as it breaks, as soon as the uh, jury gets back with its uh, verdict. Uh, meanwhile, a verdict on whether or not the presidential race is over. Uh, there is a, a new column by Matt Lewis that says that uh, Nikki Haley has gotten a lot wrong but she could somehow still win. And uh, my question for Matt Lewis is how exactly? Uh, 1-800-955-1776, our phone number. Matt Lewis is senior columnist at the Daily Beast. He is the author of a best-selling book called Filthy Rich Politicians. Uh, Matt, uh, first of all, what has Nikki Haley most spectacularly gotten wrong and how could she still win? Well, I think she made two big mistakes uh, right when it mattered. One was that slavery gaffe in New oh. Hampshire when yep. couldn't couldn't say that slavery you know caused the Civil War. And then the second um, was when CNN's Dana Bash said to Nikki Haley, "You know, Donald Trump has been found liable for sexual assault. You are the only woman running. What do you have to say?" And Nikki Haley said, oh, I haven't been paying. I haven't been following. I don't really know much about it. Um, so I think that was political malpractice. Um, and uh, I, I think it cost her. What's interesting is since she lost New Hampshire, and I do think that New Hampshire, she had to win New Hampshire. That was really her own only path to victory in terms of being the Republican nominee. But I do think since losing New Hampshire, Amazingly, weirdly, she has become a great candidate, and it started actually with her concession speech in New Hampshire, and it has continued. And I think that she is now really getting under Donald Trump's skin, and uh, it may not result in a nomination, but uh, there may be some sort of a moral victory at this point. Okay, right now there's a lot of speculation that's already started about uh, Trump's uh, running mate. Uh, you don't think that her improved status as a candidate uh, is going to lead him to forgive uh, some of the things that he said about bird brain. Uh, that's hmm. the the nickname of record. And to actually try to put him, uh, put her on his ticket. I think for a more normal candidate, that actually could happen. Remember, you know, George Bush calls Reaganomics voodoo economics, and he still gets tapped as the running mate. Remember, Kamala Harris attacked Joe Biden 
uh, over school busing and essentially accused him of racism, and he picked her. So I think that a lot of more conventional politicians are willing to kind of, you know, let bygones be bygones and bring someone in onto the ticket to balance the ticket and to unite the party. That's not Donald Trump, in my opinion. I don't think he is going to uh, invite Nikki Haley to be uh, his running mate. Well, the other question would be, would she accept it? I mean, uh, look, he doesn't have a uh, a really super record of working uh, well and smoothly with vice presidents. Uh, if you look at the end of his relationship with Mike Pence, uh, how, how would uh, she possibly join a White House team where she... Uh, she would be expected as job one to be loyal and supportive and a cheerleader of whatever it is that Trump does. I agree. I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't worth a warm bucket of spit even before Donald Trump summoned a mob on Mike Pence and they put (laughs) gallows up on Capitol Hill to hang it. So I think it's calling the vice presidency a thankless job (laughs) might be, uh, you know, might be underrating it. Um, Having said that, politicians, their ambition knows no bounds. And even, you know, I kind of like Nikki Haley a little bit, but she's a politician. And uh, I don't know of a lot of examples of anyone saying no to an offer to be a running mate. I'm sure it's happened, but but not a lot. Right. Uh, okay. In terms of uh, you, you've also written recently that the New Hampshire primary showed that America wasn't a serious country. Uh, how and why? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think that the harshest criticism is reserved for the Republican Party and Republicans who nominated Donald Trump. But I do think that our leaders, our presidents, and even, you know, he's now I think, effectively going to be the nominee of one of our two major parties. I mean, I think that says something about who we are. And you can talk about, well, it was only a fraction of a percentage of people in Iowa who actually turned out the caucus. And yeah, I mean, all that's true. But still, um, at some level, our politicians, our elected officials are a reflection of who we are and who we are, apparently, are the kind of people who (laughs) <laughs> who aren't that concerned about a guy who's been indicted four times, who attempted a coup, who tried to stop the peaceful transfer of power, who's been you know held liable for sexual assault. I mean, apparently enough Americans are okay with that that uh, he is you know by far the most popular Republican in America. Uh, and, but part of part of that. Uh, what clearly relates to the fact that he is still fighting on this uh, issue of having won the election of uh, 2020. And uh, you must know there are there are people and it's actually a majority of the Republican Party, according to the exit polls in both Iowa and New Hampshire, who believe that uh, Trump is right, that the election was rigged, that it was stolen. Uh, can we how do you think Americans can most effectively bury that suspicion, which I think makes it so much more difficult to respond to anything politically in a rational and constructive way? Well, first, I, 
agree. I mean, I think if you accept that that premise uh, that, that that Donald Trump actually won, I mean, that means number one, he's a victim. There's this sinister deep state and that are out to get him. In fact, pulling all sorts of strings. Um, God knows what else they might have done. Trump is actually a winner and a victim simultaneously. Um, so, yeah, I think once someone accepts that premise, uh, it leads to a lot of dark places and uh, paranoid conclusions. I don't know how to get past it, uh, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it is a very serious problem. And the only hope I have is that some percentage of the people who say it don't really believe it themselves. Um, this is that's a country not a where about 20 percent of the people believe we never went to the moon. We didn't land on the moon. Uh, again, there, there are people out there who believe in Holocaust denial. Twenty uh, percent of Americans, according to a poll below the age of 30, don't believe the, believe the Holocaust was a myth. Some of these things are just pernicious and they hang on and on and on. Sorry to interrupt, Matt, your last word. Yeah, no, I think that that organically happens, sadly. But we have a politician and a party that are now promoting a conspiracy theory. And uh, I think that's why it's bigger than 20 percent. Matt Lewis, uh, who works with the uh, Daily Beast, uh, senior columnist there, the author of the book, Filthy Rich Politicians. Uh, God willing, uh, we should all find reasons for encouragement in our political morass. We will be right back on The Medved Show. Thanks for listening and subscribe today for our new Substack newsletter. That's Michael Medved's context, placing today's big events in the unique perspective of our past and our future. Go to michaelmedved.substack.com and sign up today for my uncensored take on current controversies. Michael Medved show. Uh, here's a news bulletin. Washington has set an all-time record, and uh, this is uh, extraordinary. I'm not talking about Washington State, where I am proud to live, but I'm talking about Washington, D.C., where I'm proud not to live. But <laughs> in Washington, D.C., they have set an all-time January record with a high temperature today of 80 degrees. Uh, that occurred today at 1.20 p.m. Uh, that, that is extraordinary, it seems to me. Uh, another record involving Washington, the new Gallup poll shows that only 6% of respondents viewed members of Congress as trustworthy. College graduates tend to view professions in a more positive light offering higher honesty and ethics ratings than non-college grads in each case, which noted the educational differences were consistent with prior year's surveys. Uh, but when overall you've got a, a 6% uh, 
that believe that members of Congress are trustworthy. Uh, let's let's accept something that that from the time that Kevin McCarthy had to struggle to be elected as speaker to the point where he was forced to uh, give up his power as the leader of the House of Representatives, and then there was the long fight to try to replace him. This was not Congress in its best light. Uh, not when there are people like Matt Gates and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, leading the parade. Not to mention Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, by the way, on all these lists they're compiling of potential Trump running mates. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene turns up on those lists along with Elise Stefanik, who is uh, much more credible, and Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota, and others. Uh, by the way, if you want to nominate someone to be Trump's running mate, uh, you can go ahead and do that. 1-800-955-1776. Uh, Nikki Haley uh, was on Fox News uh, talking about this controversy with the RNC, the Republican National Committee, where there appeared to be a willingness on the part of the chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, uh, the uh, where she w- wanted to give President Trump the official title of uh, presumptive nominee, and this this before we've even had Super Tuesday, before we even had the uh, primary in South Carolina. Uh, this is the way that uh, Nikki Haley responded to that on Fox. Listen. First of all, you had um, election night. Trump gets on stage. He throws an absolute temper tantrum talking about revenge. But he says nothing about the American people, nothing about what he's going to do about the wasteful spending that he um, encouraged and allowed the Republicans and Democrats to do in his term. He said nothing about how he's going to secure the border and what he's going to do different that he didn't do when he was president before. He said nothing about how he's going to prevent war. Then he goes and says that he's going to ban anyone from MAGA that donates to me. Think about that. That's a president who's supposed to serve every person in America, and you're deciding that you're going to have a club and actually ban people from being in and out of your club. And then he goes and encourages the members of the RNC and tries to push them into saying that he's the nominee in the race. I mean, they got so much pushback that he had to backtrack well, from did, it. I, I mean, he's sure totally he unhinged. But at the it? end of the day, our focus is still on the American people. And uh, basically what uh, she was going to challenge her on, are you sure that that was Trump himself and not just some of his enthusiastic supporters? Uh, It's unlikely that that was pushed forward unless Trump at one point or another had at least nodded or said that they should go forward with that. There's also on the other side, uh, well, it's actually on the same side as Nikki Haley, but it's from uh, somebody else who, like Nikki Haley, was an important person in the Trump administration. She served for two years as ambassador to the UN. Somebody who served for two years as attorney general has been featured in a really very hard-hitting flashback. It's gone viral just over the last 24 hours. It's Bill Barr, and the former attorney general was on Face the Nation, and he was asked about his experience working uh, with with Donald Trump. This was from Face the Nation 
uh, back in June of last year, June of 2023. He is a consummate narcissist, and he constantly engages in reckless conduct that that puts uh, his political followers at risk and, and, and the conservative and Republican agenda at risk. Would he put the country at risk if he was in the White House again? He, he will always put his own interests and gratifying his own ego ahead of everything else, including the country's interests. There's no question about it. This is a perfect example of that. He's like, you know, he's like a nine-year-old, a defiant nine-year-old kid who's always pushing the glass toward the edge of the table, defying his parents to stop him from doing it. It's a means of self-assertion and exerting his dominance over over other people. And he's, he's a very petty individual who will always put his interests ahead of the country's, his personal gratification of his, you know, of his ego. But our country, our country can't, you know, can't be a therapy session for, you know, a troubled man like this. <laughs> uh, it sounds, and almost the timing is right. This is uh, pre-made for a campaign ad, uh, not a campaign ad that would particularly help uh, President Trump. Uh, something else uh, that should have political impact, and it's an amazing story, and the pictures are just appalling, but uh, authorities in Modesto, California, discovered homeless people living in caves along the Tuolumne River. Uh, that happened last weekend. Some of the caves were furnished with amenities. Modesto police and volunteers uh, with the Tuolumne River Trust removed an estimated 7,600 pounds of trash from the area, which is about 20 feet below street level and accessible by makeshift stairs built into the hillside. The trash filled two truckloads and a trailer. Recovered items included bedding, belongings, food, items on a makeshift mantle, drugs, and weapons. Uh, we had a hard time figuring out how they got so much stuff down in there, considering how hard it was to get it all up the hill and out, said uh, Chris Guptill, one of the coordinators of the operation. Um, Modesto police said the area has been plagued by vagrancy and illegal camps, which have raised concerns due to the fact that these camps were actually caves dug into the riverbanks. The finding comes amid a growing homelessness crisis in California. Okay, California is the worst state for homelessness. What are the other three worst states? Uh, we will get to that and more. Coming up on the MedVet Show. The greatest show on God's green earth. It is a... show on God's green earth. There is no place that's better, more fun, or safer than the Michael Medved Show. And talking about Modesto, California, which is actually a very rapidly growing uh, dynamic uh, city. It's uh, in the middle of nowhere a little bit. I mean, close, not too far from Yosemite, but... Uh, um, Modesto police and volunteers took out 7,600 pounds of trash from homeless caves, uh, which is a new California effort, a uh, very unofficial to uh, try to accommodate homeless people. They had dug 20 feet down into uh, the riverbanks near the Tuolumne River. And um, they point out that... Uh, 
The finding comes amid a growing homelessness crisis in California. The blue state cities have been hardest hit. In Los Angeles, homelessness has increased by 80%. 80% since 2015. And uh, they then report more than half the homelessness in uh, the United States has been concentrated in just four states. Uh, what are the four states? California, num- number one. Uh, Jeremy, what would you guess is number two? <laughs> I bet which one? San no, we're talking about Cal- states. states. Uh, California is the worst. New York is second worst. Florida is third. Now, you know, that's sensible. If you're homeless and you're looking for someplace to go, you'd probably appreciate the weather. Uh, No, Hawaii doesn't make it in the top. They've been cracking down on homelessness in Hawaii, Washington State. And given the fact that Washington State has a population of only about 9 uh, 9 million people, uh, that's remarkable. 28% of the country's total homeless population uh, lives in California alone. The uh, unbelievable. New York's homelessness uh, jumped more than three times the national rate. Uh, They quote uh, Jeff Olivet, who is executive director of the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness. In other words, he's a federal official. He told the Wall Street Journal... Quote, while numerous factors drive homelessness, the most significant causes are the shortage of affordable homes and the high cost of housing that have left many Americans living paycheck to paycheck and one crisis away from homelessness. Okay, that's the official line. It is not true. And it's appalling that somebody speaks for the federal government. Homelessness is caused by addiction and psychosis, basically, and mental illness. In other words, if if you are having a tough time living from paycheck to paycheck, that doesn't mean that you end up digging 20 feet into the ground and uh, then equipping your cave with all kinds of trash and so-called amenities. I mean, again, part of what they're saying here officially is that to live the way that homeless people do uh, is a, a natural or normal or even healthy or appropriate reaction to the fact that it's sometimes hard to find accommodations. So sometimes hard to make a living. But it's particularly hard when you're suffering from mental illness and a need to spend a great deal of what money you're able to gather together to continue your addiction habits. I mean, <laughs> but all of a sudden, I, you, you, you can imagine somebody discovering these caves, oh, maybe 10 years from now, and talking about, okay, now what was this intermediate species between the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnon uh, and and looking for the bones that would be scattered and eaten in their caves. Uh, I mean, uh, on, uh, honestly, <laughs> yes, it would show that would it sort of indicate that there was a lot earlier development of beer bottles uh, than had 
previously been assumed by anthropologists. I mean, this is this is really not a good thing for the United States. We're talking about Washington being uh, extraordinarily warm today. I mean, 80 degrees in the middle of January. And this is for Washington, D.C., which is on the Atlantic coast. It's not on the Gulf of Mexico. It's the Atlantic coast. Not too far away from the coast. Uh, I know it's on the Potomac River. But... uh, in Washington, people are looking at a poll from YouGov, and uh, a question being, who is the most popular Republican in the country? And uh, this would go along with some of the names that have been mentioned for the vice presidency. Uh, the most popular re- Republican in the country, uh, Donald Trump is third. And Donald Trump is third because he has 41% of people who say they have a positive opinion of him. Now, for somebody running for president, that's not ideal. By the way, George W. Bush also has 41%. He's fourth. The late Henry Kissinger has 40%. Uh, Ron DeSantis has 38%. And uh, the list goes on. But the most popular Republican is somebody who's left politics altogether which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And partially he's left politics because he he was born in Austria, which means that he is not eligible to run for president of the United States or vice president of the United States. The number two on this list has turned up on Trump lists as potential vice presidents, uh, and that's Ben Carson. The uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development HUD. And um, do you remember hearing a lot of news that was made about by Ben Carson while he was HUD secretary for four years? Uh, The one thing that is newsworthy is that President Trump had extraordinary turnover in his campaign. I mean, he got rid of his original attorney general, Jeff Sessions, his original secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, his original secretary of Homeland Security, uh, General Kelly. Um, but Ben Carson, who had been an opponent of President Trump, a mild-mannered brain surgeon, brilliant brain surgeon, uh, he, um, he survived the Trump administration and seemed to get along just fine with Donald Trump. And partially um, because he gives a little bit of diversity the ticket if he's on it. I mean, of the different ideas that people have floated around uh, to, to be an effective running mate for Trump, if, if you want an effective running mate, you want to help the Republican Party, uh, Ben Carson seems to be one of the better choices that you hear. Much better than uh, the speculation about Marjorie Taylor Greene or Elise Stefanik uh, or uh, (laughs) Lauren Boebert, I think, is off the list. Uh, And we'll see about uh, Christy Noem, the governor of South Dakota, because she's also on the list, as is Carrie Lake. Uh, Carrie Lake, it seems to me, is probably much less likely because she's already running for the U.S. Senate and she's running tied with Ruben Gallego in Arizona and what's likely to be a three-way race. That's with uh, Kirsten Cinema running as an independent. 
And I think that for national Republicans, including President Trump, he doesn't need her uh, for the sake of the Republican Party to be his running mate. But he does need her to pick up an available Senate seat. It's a Senate seat uh, currently hurt, held by Kristen Sinema. Uh, we will get to that and more on politics. A, a professor in New York condemning New York as a Zionist city and insisting those Hamas atrocities never happened. Really? We'll get to that coming up on the Medved Show. Receive 50% off by becoming a MedHead member. Michael, I'm an enthusiastic fan of yours. I'm a MedHead. Join now at Michael... They're back. The uh, jury has come back with a uh, judgment, final judgment on the E. Jean Carroll second defamation case. The previous judgment, you may remember, had uh, won uh, E. Jean Carroll $5 million from President Trump for his defamatory statements about her. Uh, The new jury verdict, the jury coming back just in time, uh, the judge, Judge Kaplan, had urged them to uh, proceed directly to a verdict because they don't have to decide what it is that President Trump did or did not do in the dressing room with E.G. Carroll, E. Jean Carroll. What they had to decide was, okay, uh, given the fact that we've already determined that he committed sexual assault and then uh, assaulted his victim a second time in, in a context with defamatory statements, which she says helped to ruin her life. Uh, she was awarded $83.3 million. This is just from his defamatory statements in 2019. While uh, he was president of the United States. Uh, I mean, this is, this is extraordinary. Former President Donald Trump must pay $83.3 million to writer E. Jean Carroll for public statements he made in 2019 disparaging Carroll and uh, denying her rape allegations, a Manhattan federal jury determined today. Uh, No response yet from Team Trump. Uh, One response that... uh, that I would suggest, and it's probably long overdue, is uh, get a get a better attorney. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honest to goodness, uh, Alina Habba, and you have to add to this eighty three point three million dollars, the two and a half million dollars that he paid to her, uh, who got involved in uh, a. Um, Exchange of harsh words with the judge today, just before the case went to the jury. Uh, most of the award involved 65 million of the 83.3 million in punitive damages after jurors concluded that Trump acted spitefully and wantonly towards Carroll. Uh, jurors also awarded a combined 18.3 million in compensatory damages. And the difference between punies, punitive damages, and compensatory damages, 
is the compensatory damages are, are there to make you whole. So what they're saying is that for E. Jean Carroll to get her reputation back, to have her career repaired, to recover from all of the psychiatric and psychological damages that she suffered from uh, Trump's uh defamatory statements, that would be $18.3 million. The punitive damages, which were much more, were to make it clear to Trump or anybody else who might be in a similar situation that the law is serious about preventing defamation. Uh, Judge Louis A. Kaplan said to the anonymous jury that while they are now free to speak publicly, he didn't advise it. My advice to you is that you never disclose that you were on this jury, and I won't say anything more about it, uh, given the fact that um, uh, President Trump probably it probably isn't pleased uh, to... Uh, uh, to actually have this $83.3 million waged against him. Now, the interesting thing is there's still the possibility of him having another fine of $370 million. That's the fraud case that's uh, also in New York. And uh, when you add this on to the fraud case, that, you're talking about close to $500 million in legal penalties uh, for Ill illegal actions that the uh, President of the United States took. And uh, some of it, uh, as with this case, the this uh, compensatory and punitive damages were for things that he did while he was President of the United States. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, and, and meanwhile, we still have a, a level of insanity in America concerning the world around us. There was an NYU professor, his name is Amin Hussein, who told uh, students at a teach-in that the Hamas atrocities weren't true. They never happened. Hamas never did those terrible things like beheading babies or burning people alive or mass rapes of women. Uh, this is what his words sounded like to his rapt and uh, attentive students. Clip six. Look, there's 22 factions in the Palestinian liberation struggle, from leftists to Islamic uh, groups, Islamic Jihad. These groups are fighting for the liberation of their people and the land. That's the right. You do it. If you don't like Hamas, right, free the land and the people. But if you don't like Hamas, also, read their charter from 2017. Don't take what the media says. It's really important. And I don't, and I think that in the midst of thinking about these factions, why why is this important? Because these kind of questions try to put you on the defensive. They try to say, okay, well, are you supporting? Oh my God, you're supporting rapists and people that behead babies, both of which, you know, whatever. We know it's not true, but the president keeps repeating them, right? So it's a thing. Okay, we know it's not true. There are films. There are films. There's that 43-minute 
uh, collection of footage uh, that was put together. I know they showed it at the Museum of Tolerance in a, a gathering that was put together in part by Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, and who herself is a veteran of the Israel Defense Forces. Uh, this is outrageous. And it leads to situations like this. Um, in Seattle yesterday, Nancy Pelosi was giving a speech at the Western Hotel. She was interrupted by uh, pro-Hamas demonstrators who stood up in the audience and wouldn't let the former Speaker of the House speak. Uh, it sounded like this. This is clip two. Nancy Pelosi, you are complicit in the Israeli crime of genocide. I'm an Iraqi refugee, and I watch your government. You represent, kill a million of my people. You killed 70,000 Afghans. And now, over 30,000 Palestinians have died due to your complicity. We demand an end to the Zionist occupation of Palestine. We demand an end to the 17-year-long brutal siege of Gaza to be lifted. We demand an end. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. End the occupation now! End the occupation now! End the occupation now! End the occupation now! Again, these are the same folks who think that you're going to influence public opinion by stopping traffic and by causing a six-hour delay on I-5 going through downtown Seattle. And attacking... The former Speaker of the House, as if she's going to hear that and say, yeah, end the occupation now. By the way, there is no occupation of Gaza. There hasn't been since 2005, okay? We're talking about almost 20 years since Israel did exactly what Palestinians said they wanted which was to move every Israeli resource, every Israeli law enforcement, every Israeli settler, to move them all out of Gaza. Gaza is pure, Jew-free, unoccupied land. And the fact that, that this level of lying continues and uh, continues to... Uh, along with the NYU professor who also uh, told his audience that New York was a Zionist city and he bragged about violence against Israel. This at a, a, an event, he was from NYU at the New School uh, that, that occurred last month in December. Unreal. Uh, let's get a more realistic and substantive perspective on the presidential race, the decisions facing the country, and more coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.